I met uh, a guy named Mike Barris several months ago. Um, he came to my office and introduced himself as the new director for a program called um, Teen Challenge of the Smokies. And uh, um, Mike and I started talking, and we quickly realized that we had something in common. Mike um, went to the same college I went to in, in, in Lakeland, Florida. We both graduated from Southeastern University. It was Southeastern College at, when he went. It was university as, as I graduated. And, and Mike, um, over the last several years, has been a pastor in Franklin and Andrews as well as in Kentucky. And uh, um, I invited Mike a couple uh, months ago to come here and share with you a little bit about this adult men's recovery program that's here now launching in Franklin and is going to reach out to the entire Western North Carolina um, um, area. And so... We are very passionate about these kind of things, about um, the holistic part of our life and how we can not just, uh, um, 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 you know, confess Jesus and, and, and believe, but how we can actually better our lives and, and, and fix and work. We all deal with some sort of addiction, and, and sometimes it's, it's more real than others. And uh, this program has been life-changing for a long time, and it's really exciting to see that it's coming to our area. And I want to invite Mike and help you guys help me invite Mike to the stage as he comes to share. Thank you. Well, while Mike is sharing with you, um, we're going to do a little question and answer afterwards. So on the screen is a phone number for you to text your questions in. If you have a question that you want to ask about this program afterwards, we'll be, um, I'll come back up and we'll share some of those questions and give Mike a chance to respond to some of those. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, like Jeff said, uh, I pastored in Franklin for 14 years, Andrews for 10 in Kentucky for three. And something happened when I was in Kentucky there's a real problem there. They had a real, real problem with drug addiction, a lot of heroin overdoses, uh, people dying from it. And my wife and I really started getting involved in helping people with addiction. And I took a guy to uh, Manchester, Kentucky, to a Teen Challenge program there called uh, Chad's Hope. And I'm going to tell you some more about him in just a minute. But God started doing something in me there and uh, kind of did something deeper in our heart about reaching out to folks that are wrestling with addiction. When we were here on vacation in Franklin uh, a year ago, December, visited some friends in Webster, and we were headed back over 441, and I saw this sign, and it said, Teen Challenge of the Smokies. And I said to my wife, well, let's just turn in here, and let's see what this is. And I turn in, and the store manager, uh, Norma McClure, she says... Uh, yeah, we, we don't have a program now. We don't have a director now, but we used to. But we're, we're referring people to other programs. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, we're, we've sent a guy to uh, Manchester, Kentucky. I said, Chad's Hope. She said, well, yeah, how did you know about that? And I said, well, I took a guy there. I'm pastoring in Kentucky. And as a matter of fact, I'm speaking in their chapel Tuesday. She said, really? And she said, we sent another guy to uh, the Teen Challenge in Chattanooga. And I said, yeah, I know Roger Haley and Jeff Cleeter. As a matter of fact, I took a guy there 20 years ago, and he's a counselor there now. And uh, she said, oh, really? She said, well, one of our board members is in the back room. Uh, could I introduce you to him? And I said, well, sure. So I go back there, and I start talking to Richard Terrell, one of the board members of Teen Challenge of the Smokies. And, and he says, uh, well, good to meet you. Do you by any chance know Paul Hensley? I said, well, I've known Paul Hensley for years. And he's a pastor in Waynesville. And we got to talking some more, had some other things in common. I started sharing my heart about... See, I had taken a number of people to Teen Challenge through the years. And I started sharing my heart about how I really believed in it. And uh, so then we, we were leaving. And I was in the car with Betty. 
And I just thought, I'm just going to see if I still have Paul's number in, in my phone. And I, you know, call Paul Hensley. And sure enough, he answers the phone. I said, Paul, what about this teen challenge of the Smokies? What about this need for an executive director? And he goes, Mike, you'd be perfect. You know, the thing is, I wasn't even going to plan on saying this, but I try to stay in a place of being sold out to Jesus. I try to stay in a place of, of surrender and openness and yieldedness. And so just turning into that store started something where we're now uh, leading uh, the, the process of getting an addiction recovery program set up in Franklin at an old church camp. It's the biggest step of faith we've ever taken in our whole lives. The thing is, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, even as we get a little bit older, are, are we doing more for Him than we did before? Or are we doing less? As we grow and mature, are we, are we stepping out in faith when He calls us to in greater ways than ever before? Why not? Uh, why wouldn't we step out in greater levels of faith? Why wouldn't we do more rather than less? And, and there's, a, there's a word that's really deep in my heart that has something to do with what we're doing. It's been a big part of my ministry through many years of pastoral ministry, and it's called discipleship. Uh, turn with me to a few scriptures. Luke 14, 23. I'll be the first one. Luke 14, 23. And uh, it tells us to go. And I really appreciate what, what was said right before the offering. To give love and to go. I just think that's perfect. Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. And then Mark sixteen fifteen. Go into all the world and preach the good news. To all creation. Then Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. A disciple. A totally committed follower of Jesus Christ. Whenever I was uh, 19... Uh, there was a real pretty girl in my biology class that had a 68 Chevelle and I had a 69 Chevelle. So I asked her out and guess what? Instead of sitting next to me, she sat against the door. We went to a movie and she said, uh, this movie is offensive to me. Could we please leave? I was so confused. And when I took her to the house, I was used to, I was used to getting some, some kisses and some hugs. And instead, guess what she started doing? She started talking to me about Jesus. I was, I was her uh, project that evening. And, and I, I talked to her and told her I was a good person until it was after midnight. And, and, and she just kept talking to me about Jesus. Well, I ended up getting saved. And there was this group of people who took me under their wing. This is something I'm wanting to, to really say. See, the modern church, if we're not careful, we've, we think about gatherings. How many people are in a place? We think about attendance. We think about numbers. And, and I, really, I really want to encourage you and remind you to think about the number one. One person. And this, this concept in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we are supposed to go. And I really appreciate Pastor Jeff and Jody and, and their heart for, for going out 
you know, to go and, and think about one person. And I want to encourage you to think about reaching out and, and, and with a stubborn love and witness and build that bridge and, and not give up on a person. Kind of stay in there on the long haul. And then when they do make a decision to follow Christ, to stick with them. See, I can remember Albert. I can remember Ben. I can remember Paul. I can remember Dave. I can remember Joyce. This group of people who took me under their wing and we had Bible studies together and they answered my questions and they prayed with me. And if I didn't show up at church or Bible study, they would call me. How are you doing? Are you okay? I think it's real important that we think about one person. I think that we... We need to reach out with stubborn love. I think that we need to see people come to Christ, but then follow up on them. Be sure that we do that. You know, this idea of just uh, one person is so important. I want to show you a picture. It's a guy named Phil. Phil, uh, when I first met Phil, he was full anger, young guy. Uh, I used to go eat lunch with the students at the high school. And one time when I saw Phil in the hallway, he actually cussed at me and shot me a bird. He had a leather jacket, all kinds of stuff on his jacket. He was really angry on guy. And I kept reaching out to him. And God just put something in my heart to not give up on him. Now, Phil was so full of anger, he ended up getting into really angry satanic music. He actually joined a witch coven at one point. I went and got Phil when he, he was taken to jail for a DUI. I went and got Phil right before the sheriff's department picked him up because he was still living at home as a young adult and he had destroyed most of his house with a baseball bat. He ended up spending time in a psych ward after that. But there was, there was just something God put in my heart for Phil at that time where I wouldn't give up on Phil and, and, and there was a stubborn kind of love. And the thing is, I, I said, Phil, you need to go to Teen Challenge. And he went to Teen Challenge in Chattanooga. He ended up graduating and went to leadership training. And this next picture shows what Phil looks like now. He became a counselor and has been a counselor at Chattanooga Teen Challenge for 15 years. The next picture is a guy named Forrest Quillen. I met Forrest up in Kentucky. Forrest came to our church after he had been in jail for the second time. He was raised by a drug dealer. He was actually evaluated and told that he was on a permanent trip and he was unrecoverable. But he made a decision to follow Christ and he came to our church. And I started spending time with Forrest one-on-one -on -one every week. Now, but then this thing would happen. Forrest would go back out and then he would fall and he would mess up and then he would disappear for a while. But I kept looking for him. I would I would Facebook him. I would text him. I say, has anybody seen him? I would call his sisters. I would say, where's Forrest? And then he would end up coming back and he would say, I messed up again. I fell again. And I said, that's OK, man. We just got to keep going. And then it, it kind of came to a place. I, I, I don't usually do this as a pastor. I'm kind of like try to be gentle and stuff like that. But one day I said in my office, I said, Forrest, would you just lean forward? And I said, Forrest, I want you to look me straight in the eyes. And I said, Forrest, you know, I love you, right? And he said, yeah, I know you love me. And I said, you're weak, you're messed up and you got to get some more help. And I took him to, to Teen Challenge in Manchester, Chad's Hope. And this next picture shows Forrest now. 
He's not only graduated, he's helping to lead a youth group. He's helping in, a, in a, an addiction recovery program called Lifeline Connection. But see, the thing was, he was written off by a lot of people. So was Phil. But we got to reach out to that kind of person. They, they need love and mercy and they need to be respected. I'm going to tell you about one other guy. There's a guy named Terry Jones in Franklin. Somebody said, would you reach out to Terry? He's a real bad alcohol problem. I tried and, and he, he didn't really want any help at the time. But see, you build that bridge and you, you keep that relationship. Well, Terry ended up in the hospital over his alcoholism. And he had just gotten a DUI with four charges. He says, I'm ready to get some help. I went to the hospital and filled out the application for Chattanooga Teen Challenge right there in the hospital. And then I had to go to court with Terry for these four DUI charges. And I went there. And the thing is, I'd never done this before. I'm new at this. I've been a pastor for a long time. And, and, and the judge calls his name. And I just walk up there with him. And I don't even think you're supposed to do that. Like permission to approach or something. But she's like, you know, who are you and what are you doing here? And, and I said, well, Terry uh, has, has applied to and been accepted to a program that is personal study, group study, counseling, work. It's a 12-month residential program. I talked to the DA just before that and told him what I was going to be presenting. And he said that he would drop three of the four charges. And I stood here before this judge and, and, and I said, we have an entry date. And she said, when is it? I said, tomorrow at 1.30. And she says, well. And then she looked at, the, at this gentleman named Terry and said, did you come today prepared to pay the fines and fees? And he said, no, your honor, I don't have any money. At which time, these words came out of my mouth. If it'll keep him from going, I'll pay for it. Then I just paused. Then I said, I forgot to ask how much it is. And she reduced that DUI down to $100. He blew a .32, which is four times legal intoxication. And this is the part that gets me. I was standing as an advocate for a person who didn't deserve but was asking for mercy. And she gave it. And let him go. And he has now completed his eighth month. And it has become a, a, a real leader and an example there at Chattanooga Teen Challenge. Aren't we glad that Jesus Christ is our advocate. And we have mercy before the Father when we didn't deserve it. Stubborn love. Don't give up. See, the thing is, we like to catch fish, but we don't like to clean them. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's why, I think that's why, you know, some people say, oh, I want to preserve the population. But I think a lot of catch and release, they just don't want to clean them. You know, you have all these fish. It's like, yeah, it's fun catching them, but you got to clean them. I love to hunt. Going out deer hunting. Man, it, it's fun to finally see one in front of you and you shoot it. But then you got to go gut it and then you got to drag it. And then you got to take it home and then you got to skin it and you got to quarter it and you got to process it. When we reach out to lost people, see... They come with a lot of baggage. See, it used to be that, you know, everybody was in church and knew what to do. But see, the thing is, a lot of people that come to Christ today, they don't have a clue. And, and when we see them make a decision for Christ, 
And, you know, there's tears running down their face sometimes, and we pat them on the back, and we say, congratulations. And they go out, and they have, they have no idea how to live a new life. I was, I was visiting an elderly lady one day, and, and I was in my truck. It's kind of in the back roads. You know how that is. And, and, and all of a sudden, I saw this something, an animal on the road kind of staggering, swerving, going down the middle of the road. And I'm like, what in the world? And I, I pull off of my truck and I look and I look and I get out of my truck. It's a cat with a cheese its bag completely covering its head. Staggering down the middle of the road. And I'm like, that is so crazy. And I thought, I'm going to try to get it off. And I get over there and, and I reach down and I grab for the bag. You know, it jerks and runs away and everything else. I, I'm going to get the bag off the head of that cat. And I kind of sneaked over there and got closer again. And I just reached down and grabbed it real hard and pulled it off. And that cat's like, wow. And I thought, isn't that the way it is with lost people who have stuck their heads into things that ended up getting them trapped and blinded and in trouble? And they need somebody to reach out to them to care about them, to let them know there is a way out of all of that. Teen Challenge is not a, a treatment program. It's a discipleship ministry. Teen Challenge was started by David Wilkerson back in 1958. It was for teens at first. That's how it got its name. Some of y'all might remember the, the movie and the book, Cross and the Switchblade. But getting people off of drugs is really the easy part getting them into Teen Challenge, and we'll be doing a men's Teen Challenge, getting them away from their wrong friends and environment is important, but discipleship is the key. Teaching them new ways, new life skills, new coping skills, new ways to handle their, their anger, their frustration, their depression, their relationship problems, their failures. If you don't teach an addict a new way to cope, He'll go back to the only coping mechanism he's been using for years. So discipleship is the key. Christ-centered, Bible-centered discipleship. If you pull the top off of a weed, it'll just keep growing back. In the first four months alone, in Teen Challenge, they go through 14 workbooks. How can I know I'm a Christian? A quick look at the Bible, how to study the Bible, attitudes, temptations, successful Christian living... Growing through failure, Christian practices, obedience to God, obedience to man, anger and personal rights, love and accepting myself, personal relationships with others, spiritual power, and the supernatural. See, there, there are some people that, that are prayed for and they're miraculously delivered from drugs, but that is by and large not what happens. And even for that person, if they don't have new life skills, new coping skills, they, they may turn to something else because... If you don't teach, if you don't disciple those new life skills, coping skills, uh, they don't have the tools in their toolbox that they need. Two-thirds of American families are affected by addiction. 85% of those in jail or prison have addiction issues. 85% sounds high, but when you think about all the things that are related to addiction, from possession to selling to aggravated assault, domestic violence, DUI, theft, and even prostitution. Prostitution, you might, you might think, that happens right here in the mountains. And you, you think, no, I've, I've never seen that. Well, let me tell you how it happens with, with a woman who's in addiction. 
She's lost everything. She's got an addiction problem. So what does she do? She doesn't have a place to sleep. So she's going to find some man that will take her in just to have a place to sleep. And it may be a drug dealer that will also supply drugs. Twelve months seems like a long time, but Teen Challenge has a success rate of over 70% because it's long-term. It's in-depth. Group studies, personal studies, counseling. And so the success rate is, is because of that. Now, we've been doing referrals, but we, we took a great big step of faith in September. And we signed a lease on a camp. Camp Colisagia has been sitting basically empty for 10 years in Franklin. It's an old church camp. And so we took on the task of, of renovating that place. Just go quickly through those slides. Yeah, that's the cafeteria. Look at it now. We've had over 90 volunteers coming out there. We built a little chapel area there. Somebody donated a PA and a pulpit for us. The kitchen was all roached out with mold and mildew. And we've got it all cleaned up. Even got a new stove to replace that black one over there. That's, it's on 15 acres right on the Colisagia River. It's a beautiful spot. You just feel the peace of God on the place when you come there. Going through the slides there, see the, the dorm upstairs was all dark and kind of gloomy and we painted it and fixed it up. We've had to do work on putting insulation in the exterior walls because it was just a, a summer camp. Had to do electrical upgrades and put smoke and carbon monoxide detectors into the dorm rooms. The, this is a building where our program director is living and it was down to the raw wood and we completely primed and painted it. A lot of work, but a lot of people pitching in. An old building, it had a whole bunch of junk in it. And we cleaned it out, and, and then a number of people have donated exercise equipment. And since then, we've even had some more. Ramps going into the dorms were all rotten, and we've had new ramps built. Then there's also a basketball court, picnic pavilion. And, my, and there's a ball field there right next to that. My favorite spot on the whole campus is the place where we do water baptism, right there in the river. Baptism's been going on there since the 50s. That's just a view of the camp. Then there's an old building there. It's an auditorium. Looks rough on the outside, but on the inside, it's beautiful. We've had a bunch of chairs donated to us. And so the camp is, is coming along. It's getting renovated. And we hope to open in March. We've got to raise some more money. We've got to do uh, some more renovation. We've got to get things inspected 12 months, five-phase men's residential program to serve seven western counties. I want to show you another picture here. Uh, you remember Phil? Well, the cool thing is, he not only been a counselor at Chattanooga Teen Challenge for 15 years. Ten years ago, I did his wedding. Got a little eight-year-old girl named Hope. And when I signed on to the position of being the executive director for Men's Teen Challenge of the Smokies... I even told the board early on, I said, you know what, if we could ever get that camp, I know of this camp. And it, it, first it looked like it wasn't going to work. And then it said they might work. And then they said, no, it won't work. And then a series of events happened where we have a long-term lease and, a, and an, au au an option to purchase the camp, actually. But another thing I said was there's this guy named Phil Sanders. After a lot of prayer and discussion, he's moved back. Phil Sanders is our program director. He's moved into that house. And he has got 15 years experience with Teen Challenge. And so he's just... And the thing is, Phil as a teenager was baptized out at that camp. 
Would you consider helping us? See, we don't get any federal money, no state money, no insurance money. Teen Challenge USA doesn't send us any money. It's a total faith venture. Would you pray? Would you give? Would you consider volunteering even at our thrift store? Come over and help us get the facility ready. Make donations to the thrift store of of gently used items that we can sell and help us. Help me get connected to other pastors and business folks that may have a heart for helping those with addiction. Like it says in Esther 4.14, for such a time as this. This is way bigger than us. This problem of addiction is just horrendous. But for such a time as this, God is raising this up. And the body of Christ, all coming together, will make this possible. Would you pray for us? Would you consider helping us to reach out to people that seem to have lost all their hope, that need mercy, that need love, that have been discarded, that need somebody to reach out to them and lead them to Christ and disciple them so that they can not only stay clean, that's, that's, that's not even the goal. The goal is to come to that place where Ephesians 2.10, those works that he prepared ahead of time for them to do, that they can then now get in the flow of what God's plan is for their life. Many Teen Challenge graduates like Phil become leaders in, in their church and in, in ministry, and the profound effect they have on other people that they can help is just amazing. We do have a table in the back. Uh, afterwards, if you would like to uh, come back, sign up for our newsletter. We have a brochure, newsletter, and some, some pamphlets, some stuff that might be helpful to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Mike, for sharing with us. I have a few questions that came in, and so uh, Mike said he would um, love to answer some questions, and so I'm going to field them those. You can also keep texting your questions in as they come. Uh, first one is, what is the cost for the program? Good question. We try to make this reasonable. Uh, we will be one of the least expensive programs. Uh, it'll be a $50 admission fee. There'll be uh, a $500 entrance fee and $300 per month. Now, the cost will be way higher than that per individual. But we feel like it's important for a person to have kind of the skin in the game. And and, and, and friends and family can get together that $500. And then $300 a month, that's just four people. We'll have like sponsorship forms where they can ask friends, relatives, a church. All they need is four people saying we'll commit to $75 a month. We, We have had some individuals who have said, what would it cost for a year? $4,100, and and we hope that there will be those that will say, I'll cover a student. And then we can also say, we do have a limited number of scholarships for those who can't afford anything. And and we'll have some additional paperwork to justify that. But the the basic question, $50, $500 to get in, $300 a month. And that just helps to cover some of our expenses. What is the, the age that you're reaching. It will be for men ages 18 to 60 and maybe even, uh, you know, older than 60, uh, depending on their, their health and things like that. It'll be for adult men ages 18 to 60 and above. And is it a completely residential program? What do you do with uh, men that have families or wife and kids at home? It's a situation where they will have visitation, but they will live there. And this is the thing. 
The success rate of your 10-day programs, your 30-day programs is really low in the single digits. I went to a a program uh, at Western Carolina University. They said long-term recovery with aftercare has an 85% success rate. Something I forgot to mention on the campus, there's seven cabins that are large enough to make two studio apartments. We're going to turn those into studio apartments for after the men graduate, they can live there and get jobs, take classes. But the investment of a year is important even for a married person because the short-term rehab programs don't have a very good success rate. It's worth the investment to make, and there will be visitation if they have family members, but yeah, they will live there. How many at a time will stay? We're going to start off with six beds, and then we'll go to 9, 12, and 15. Our building is set up now to handle 15. We want to start well, so we're going to have six beds to start with, and then open up an additional room. There's three to a room to 15. But eventually, the dorm that we have, if we can move our offices out to a different building, we hope to have 30 is our goal. So six to start with. Then 15, hold it 15 for a little while and eventually have 30. You mentioned uh, prayer. You mentioned the financial part of being involved. How can we physically get involved? What, what help do you need now until you open up? We have a pretty good list all the way from cleaning and painting to, to carpentry. We hope to put a new roof on. Uh, there's stuff on the grounds to do. We have a long list. I've got a guy that is our construction volunteer coordinator that if, if, any, if any groups, sometimes a group wants to come, sometimes we're there every day, sometimes individuals just want to come over, just let us know. We'll put you in touch with our volunteer and construction coordinator, and there's something for every skill level. If I want to get involved or I have a friend that I want to, that wants to get involved, what's the process of, of getting in? First thing is give me a call. We have cards on the back table there and our newsletters. Uh, my cell phone number is on there, and the first step is to give me a call. Uh, and, and a person, you know, we, we build that bridge, and we let them know, hey, this is a 12-month commitment. Sometimes people say, but 12 months is a long time. We say, you know what? People go off to college and trade school all the time for a year, two years, four years to better the rest of their life. If you really want to do this and have long-term success, a year is a worthwhile investment. What would happen if someone re- refused to complete the process? How does, what happens there? It's voluntary. Uh, they, they stay if they want to stay. And if, if they get to the place where they want to leave, then they can leave. We will, we will do everything we can to help them see the value of staying. But uh, we will, because we're faith-based, we can't be court-mandated. We are recognized by the courts as an option if an individual wants to be a part of a program. And if a judge hears this person is willing to be involved in a 12-month program, they'll recognize us, but it won't be mandated. So it's up to them to stay. They could leave if they want to. Okay. And uh, the men's teen challenge, uh, the Smokies will be for men only, but there are places for women within teen challenge? There's places for women and juvenile boys and girls. And we would be happy to continue to refer for women, teenage boys, and teenage girls. We would be happy to help uh, get involved in that process of getting them in touch with the center and explaining the process. So we'll continue to do referral for women, boys, and girls. What are uh, the common addictions or what are some of the addictions that you guys deal with? 
Uh, meth is real big, pain pills is real big, heroin is making a big comeback, and alcohol is still the biggest problem. Anything outside of substance abuse that you guys deal with? Yes, uh, Teen Challenge is officially titled for any life-controlling problem. So there could be sex addiction, pornography, gambling addiction, so those uh, eating disorders. So any life-controlling problem where you need to be in a controlled environment and learn new ways to cope. Okay. Well, if you would help me, thank Mike for coming out today. Thank you. Thank you. Something I read this morning um, that I wanted just to, to kind of close with this um, was, a, was a quote. It says this, water always falls in pools in the lowest and darkest place, but so does mercy. And mercy is grace in action. And so, uh, church, we talk about a lot about mercy and grace and truth. And this is part of it. This is this idea that, that, that as water pools to those darkest places, so does, so does mercy. And a lot of times we, we find ourselves in those low places and those dark places, but that's where grace enters in and kind of um, brings us out of those places. And this is a, a program that brings that to those, those men.